There were a few scattered rocks in the courtyard, and some clumps of jade green plantain. Two storks stood in the shadow of a pine tree, preening themselves with their long bills. The gallery surrounding the courtyard was hung with cages of unusual design, in which perched or fluttered a wide variety of birds, some of them gay-plumaged exotic ones. Above the steps was a little five-frame penthouse building, with a glimpse of delicately carved partitions visible through the open doorway, above which a horizontal board hung, inscribed with the words, Crimson Joys and Green Delights. of rereading the stone for you all. This is Kevin Wilson, as always, joined, as always, by William Jones. Will, how are you doing today? I'm good. How about you? I am pretty excellent. Uh, uh, so this is chapter 26. This is actually an important milestone for us in the sense of we are completing the first uh, book of the Hawks translation. Uh, so it feels like a an important uh, you know step along you know in, in the journey toward uh, full mastery of this um, rather uh, extended and uh, complex novel. So this is chapter 26, a conversation on waste a conversation on wasp waste bridge is a cover for communication of a different kind. And a soliloquy overheard in the naiad's house reveals unsuspecting depths of feeling. Um, how about we jump right into our usual uh, summary and first impressions? Sure thing. So <clears throat> in the previous chapter, um, well, it was quite dramatic. There was uh, early on, there was a little bit of um, bad blood between our central character, Jia Baoyu, and his younger half-brother, Jia Huan. And this caused Jia Huan to spill like a, a hot candle uh, onto Baoyu's face, uh, causing him this kind of this facial injury. Um, and so after that, the, uh, the family has um, this kind of wise woman, Mother Ma, come round to visit and she's a sort of a kind of spiritual religious figure and she has a discussion with Bayou's grandmother grandmother Jia and she tells her that you know Bayou is uh, the son of this very wealthy household he will naturally be the target of you know kind of bad spirits and, and all sorts of uh, nefarious things and so she urges her 
to make a donation for sesame oil to be burned, basically, um, as a way of bringing him good fortune. Um, and Grandmother Jar, uh, appropriately convinced, does so. And then Mother Ma, the wise woman, goes on to speak to other members of the household. And one of the people she speaks to is a woman called Aunt Zhao, who is the mother of Jia Huan, and she is the concubine of uh, Bao Yu and Jia Huan's father, Jia Zhong. And so as concubine, she holds a relatively low position within the household. Um, and she feels kind of rather aggrieved on her own behalf and of that, that of her son. Anyway, their conversation sort of descends into uh, conspiratorial discussions. Um, <clears throat> and Mother Ma agrees to help Aunt Zhao put a curse on both Bao Yu and Wang Xifeng, who is uh, one of the most important uh, women of the household. Um, following following this kind of this like dramatic conspiracy we have a, a relatively kind of light-hearted scene in which some of the younger members of the household are, are you know spending time together uh our protagonist Bao Yu but also his two cousins uh Lin Daiyu and Xue Bao Chai both of whom are coincidentally kind of uh, his love interests in the novel anyway some teasing um directed at Daiyu about her possibly one day being Bao Yu's wife um results in her getting kind of very uh, upset um, and in that moment Bao Yu takes, takes her hand uh, as if to say something to her but then he kind of freezes and says nothing and then all of a sudden he begins jumping around babbling deliriously before uh, you know trying to kill himself basically um, and he's restrained by servants and everyone is gathered and, and they're panicking terribly uh, and then Wang Xifeng appears, and she's in a similar state. Uh, in her case, she's she's wielding a knife, and she's swinging the knife at anything near her, uh, and several unfortunate animals have uh, already met their deaths this way before she too is restrained. Um, and eventually they're both taken to bed, um, and their, their health gets kind of worse and worse, and they become weaker and weaker. Um, and, you know, Various members of the household, including Bao Yu's own father, um, begin to despair and think there's nothing to be done. Um, but when all looks lost, um, we have the um, return of two characters from much earlier in the novel, the 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 Taoist and the Buddhist. They're this kind of a, a kind of uh, a kind of Taoist ex, ex machina. If you yeah, will. absolutely. Yeah, he, he's uh, <laughs> he just appears to save the day when when you know. It looks like everything is hopeless. Um, and so they say that the, the magical jade that Bayou wears around his neck, which is supposed to protect him from evil, has stopped working because it's become kind of um, besmirched by the, the dirt of the material world. Um, and so the, the Taoist takes the stone and has a little conversation with it and gives it a little polish. Um, and then it begins working again. And he promises that if, you know, if they hang this over the doorway of the room in which both Bao Yu and Xi Feng are recovering, that their health will be back to normal within 33 days. Mm. And that's pretty much where we leave it. In this chapter, we hear that their health does indeed recover. And even the burns on Bao Yu's face from having the hot candle wax spilled on him, um, those burns have gone as well. 
So in this chapter we have a, a variety of different scenes. Um, some of them fairly kind of uh, just ordinary day-to-day -day things. So it, in the beginning we have a scene with the, the maid Crimson, who we've only recently been introduced to in the past couple of chapters, but who is playing quite an important role at the moment. And she is, she's one of the maids, and she had a, a couple of recent meetings with a character called Jia Yun, who is one of the, he's a male member of the family, but he is a kind of poor relative. He's not one of the kind of central, most important men. Um, and prior to Bao Yu's illness, Bao Yu had met Jia Yun and asked him to come visit him sometime. Uh, and he is now doing that today. Uh, and Jia Yun and Crimson have a, a passing meeting uh, in the garden where uh, this kind of uh, attraction that they feel towards one another grows only more kind of deep, only deeper. Um, anyway, Jia Yun visits Bao Yu for the day. They, um, they kind of chat about this and that, but it's rather inconsequential. Um, sometime after, Bao Yu goes to visit his cousin and, as I said, love interest, uh, Lin Dayu. Um, and while there, he makes a joke about um, marriage. Um, and because she has a, um, a very short temper, she's very easily uh, offended and upset. Uh, this, unsurprisingly, sets her off and makes her angry with him. Um, and they're kind of midway through this argument when Bao Yu is called away to meet his father, who, as we know, is a very kind of strict a uh, conservative type and Bao Yu is kind of terrified of him um, so he dashes off to go see him uh, only to find out that the whole thing was a ruse organised by his cousin Xue Pan and actually it was Xue Pan that wanted to see him but he knew that if he said it was him asking for him that Bao Yu would dawdle and take ages um, and the reason he's called him is because he um, it's shortly will be his birthday and among his birthday gifts are um, some rather amazing foodstuffs that he wants to share with Bao Yu. So the two of them and a couple of others have a meal. Um, and then following that, Bao Yu returns home. Um, he spends some time with his other cousin, Xue Bao Chai, coincidentally the, the younger sister of Xue Pan, the, the, the one with whom he had the meal. And they kind of chat about this and that, and it gets rather late. At this point, his other cousin, Dayu, comes round to visit. Um, but as I said, it's getting quite late at this point. Um, and Bao Yu's maids refuse her entrance to the to the house, um, saying that, you know, everyone has already gone to bed and she has to come back tomorrow. Um, however, Dayu can hear that um, there are voices coming from inside the house. And so she feels like uh, maybe she's been deliberately... Um, you know, excluded for some reason. And she has this very kind of tragic moment where she's sitting by the gate of the house, um, locked out, unable to get in, and feeling both physically and kind of um, socially outcast. And she kind of breaks down in tears. And that is more or less where the chapter wraps up. Mm. Okay. So what were your, what, what, what were your feelings about this, this chapter overall? Um, you know... I would say uh, it was a pretty easy chapter to read. Not a lot of like really dense material. It's relatively straightforward. Uh, a few nice little poems at the end. Nothing as heavy as we've seen in some chapters. Um, not especially long. 
the chapter seems to be very much uh, in motion. There's a lot of like you know going to and fro, and um, we really get a sense for the garden. I think maybe even more so than in any previous chapters, where it really feels like we're in the garden, we're like living in it, uh, getting a sense for its rhythms, uh, which I think tends to is conducive to uh, dream effects. Uh, and so, yeah, if we're going to return to the question of, is this a dream chapter? I would say, mm, yes, yeah, there's definite dream elements to it, even if it is a kind of like uh, uh, idyllic haze uh, surrounding everything. At the same time, there are uh, a lot of things happen. I think it's fairly important. It was interesting to get such a uh, like a detailed glimpse of um, Crimson's you know, inner thoughts. At first, I wasn't sure uh, whether she would be a, a significant character, but she gets a lot of airtime in this chapter, and uh, she has certain tendencies that I think are kind of almost comparable to uh, Dayu, uh, a same kind of, um, like, morbid uh, disposition, I would say. Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely. Ever, ever so slightly. Yeah, um, I, I, I do agree. I do agree. She And, and the slight tendency towards kind of being kind of slightly theatrical um, and, in in her emotions sometimes. And so in many ways, I, I think uh, Bao Yu is sort of sidelined in this chapter and we, we learn more about Crimson and uh, and a lot of time is also spent from from Dai Yu's perspective, I think. Um, what, what about you? Uh, anything I forgot about that you want to emphasize? No, or? I just, I think... Uh, what are you thinking? I think in the past couple of chapters has started to see a kind of acceleration of um the kind of romantic feelings between Bayu and Dayu, right? Like um like it's always kind of been hinted at, but now as they're really kind of progressing through adolescence, um yeah, there's um I think we're going to see kind of more and more of that and there have been a couple of different jokes and sideways comments about about marriage between the two of them um in the story so far. Um, and so I think the kind of the ending of this one um, uh, is also kind of part of that. You know, it's it's um, the reason I think why this feeling of social exclusion is so painful to Dayu is not just because they're they're close, but because you know she has these very kind of deep romantic feelings for him. Um, anyway, shall we? Shall we? Yeah, let's begin. Get into the get into the the, the text. Yeah, I, I guess. What, what do you think? Should we begin with uh, the issue of uh, crimson, right? Yeah, yeah, do. And she's so the 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 issue here is uh, we're still dealing with the lost handkerchief, handkerchief, uh, which was pretty significant in um, I think it was last chapter, and we had the dream of um, of uh, Jiayun's taking it. And it turns out that he, in, re in reality, is the one who found the handkerchief. Um, and so she has noticed it on his person. Um, but she never really could, like, summon the courage uh, or find the appropriate moment to uh, broach, you know, which you, you'd imagine is a, uh, a somewhat delicate subject. Mm. Um, and that's, yeah. They're very constrained, aren't they, by, like, propriety. So, I mean, mm -hmm. you can tell there are these kind of very strong feelings on both sides, both Jia Yun and Crimson, Xiao Hong. Mm -hmm. But um, whereas <clears throat> I feel like maybe the, 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 the masters um, are able to 
kind of do as they please, maybe with the servants. It's, well, certainly there's the, the very kind of strict um, kind of rules about um, when it's appropriate for them to talk to people and, 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 and to whom it's appropriate to speak to people and, and, and kind of ab about which subjects. And, and this apparently, a simple question, is that my handkerchief, <laughs> is, um, yeah. is kind of off limits somehow. Um, um, and, and so this is kind of this is kind of weighing on her uh, emotionally, psychologically. So she's kind of brooding, uh, and, and while brooding, uh, she is visited uh, in her room by another maid, uh, whom we haven't met yet. Uh, in the Hawks, uh, he has a translated Melilot. I think it's Melilot. Yeah. M e l i l o t. In the in the Chinese, it's Jia Hui, uh, which is not the the surname Jia, but it's uh, a word for beautiful or yeah. fine. Yeah, and so and, it's, a, it's it's a flower name, um, as yeah. we've kind of as we've seen. <laughs> yeah, they all all of the all of the maid servants' names tend to fit into quite like a one of a small number of categories, don't they? Flowers right. or jewelry or, um, or or like sunsets. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, good point. Um, and so, actually, in this chapter, maybe I could do a quick maid review at the opening. So we have in this chapter we have Jiahui Melilot, mm -hmm. then we have Qingwen, which is sky bright, then we have Qisha, which Hawks translates as mackerel. Mm -hmm. um, we talked about how it's kind of a a very creative translation. Yeah, uh, and then yeah. we have uh, Oriole, which is in the original Ingar. And, and another new maid for this chapter is uh, Drear, which Hawks renders trinket. Uh, yeah, so like trinket. Dre means sort of to droop down, to sort of to, to dangle, right? Yeah. Uh, You'd imagine a trinket dangling, maybe. Yeah, what are those bracelets that people sometimes have? You know, like a charm bracelet, is that what they're called? You know, you have a, a simple bracelet and then various small kind of trinket charms hang off it. Um, I imagine something like that. Are those? Is that a a dre? Okay, is that a? Okay, I'm not sure. Well, dre can be like a something like a kind of hanging object. Right? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, maybe. But it's again, it's it's somewhat kind of uh, creative on the part of uh, Hawks. Okay, and that's kind of that's that should keep us covered for this chapter. <laughs> I, I might have skipped a few uh, later on, but that's that's the gist of it. Um, and so anyway. Uh, Crimson's brooding, and uh, Melilot arrives, and she has been tasked with. She she's about to visit uh, Lindayu, right? And uh, she. Oh no, she just came back from. I forget yeah. what what is she doing again? <laughs> uh, she she the so Melilot has a a like kind of money tied up in a in a handkerchief, I think, basically, um, and she, mm -hmm. um, yeah, she's been the like inadvertent or unwitting beneficiary of some um money that's being dispensed to the various maids so i think this is because um probably because of their service while you know watching over mm -hmm. uh Bao Yu and Shifang when they were both recovering from their illness um anyway the the grandmother Jia so uh Bao Yu's grandmother and the kind of matriarch of the household I think has ordered that this money be dispensed out to the various maids, and so Lin Dayu had some of her own. And I think because right. because Melilot happened to be there, she was given some 
Um, and so um, she's asking Crimson to help her count it, basically. Uh, and I, I think she has one other task she's uh, working on, uh, but I'm kind of, it's, it's eluding me what that other, she was about to go do something, right? Um, yes, she was supposed to go and fetch some boxes for uh, Aroma, okay. the kind of chief maidservant of Balyu. Um, but she's she's kind of dawdling, and she stopped by to to chat to to Crimson for a while. Um, mm -hmm. And while they have this chat, what Crimson is she's in her kind of glum, morbid mood, right? Um, Melalot saying, "You seem ill. You should take some medicine. You need you know you need to take care of yourself." And Cr Crimson, in in I guess in that kind of um, you know romantic, sentimental state, is like you know no. There's no point in anything. We're all just, you know, <laughs> it struck we're all me destined to die. <laughs> every, everything, you know, everything must have its end. Yeah, it struck me as vaguely like existentialist. I, I don't know if that was like the intention, but it, it's like she had just finished reading Sartre. Yeah, and she uh, like wanted to like be melodramatic, and this was like the only way she knew how because she didn't have like a cigarette to <laughs> yeah to take a drag from. Um. Right, and, and so she says things to the effect of, like, the sooner I'm dead, the better. Which reminded me, like I, I said the opening, that reminded me a lot of, like, a uh, like a Daiyuism. That's, like, you know, like, uh, frequently in um, conversation with Baoyu, Daiyu will, you know, say things to the effect of, like, well, it would be better if I died, or, like, you know, if that would be easier. And, and so that really reminded me of, um, I wonder if that was an intentional... Um, Kind of a parallel being drawn. I'm, I'm trying to think. Have any of the other uh, maids or uh, or um, like female characters demonstrated this level of um, kind of bitterness or dismal outlook? I think for the most part, not. No, she does. She does stand out in this respect. While they're chatting, uh, we have a, a a young maid come in. She's not named, um, but basically she orders. She's been told to ask Crimson to copy out these two patterns on 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 paper. Uh, I'm not exactly sure mm -hmm. for what. Um, one of the things that was interesting here is that mm -hmm. it mentions that she was so young that her hair was still done up in two little girls' mm -hmm. horns, basically. So I imagine that the hair kind of pokes out the top of her head, you know, almost like two kind of pigtails or something like that, um, and. We talked mm -hmm. quite a while ago, um, I think maybe in the first or second chapter, about the, the word that's mm -hmm. often used for maid, which is like yato or yahuan. And that ya looks just like a letter Y, a capital letter Y uh, in, in the Roman alphabet. Um, and um, you talked at the time, I think, about that that could have been the visual, kind of a mm -hmm. visual representation of the way a, a young girl's hair would be done up. And I think that it's probably, yeah, exactly this kind of thing that um, it maybe was referring to, right? Okay, yeah, that was back in, I think, chapter maybe like one or two. Yeah, yeah I think so. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's a deep cut, a callback. <laughs> um, Rewind. Um, so she, um, Crimson decides, okay, she has to copy out these patterns. So she needs to have a... She, she she's looking for a, a brush to trace them with so i think like a paintbrush kind of that sort of thing um mm -hmm. she realizes she doesn't have a good one to hand and so she's lent out her good one to oriel the uh one of the other um maids uh mm -hmm. and so she has to dash off to find it um originally she asks Melalot to go get it for her 
and that's when Melalot reveals that actually she's <clears throat> she's on a she's yeah yeah on a mission she's on a mission at the moment but she's just been standing around flapping her flapping her her mouth you know <laughs> um and so crimson kind of tells her off for for sitting around gossiping when she should have been working um mm-hmm. the the chinese phrase is xian ke ya so ya is teeth ke is like to clack together so clacking together teeth and xian is like leisure or Id- like idly that sort of thing so idly clacking your teeth together basically is the mm-hmm. i just i liked it as a as a piece of language <laughs> <laughs> yeah kind of like running your mouth off uh yeah idle chatter exactly exactly so so what happens next when she rushes off to find the brush um okay so now we we're gonna follow now uh crimson right and she is on her way to find the brush and so she's in the direction of she she's heading toward bao chai's courtyard right um and she on the way she passes bao yu's uh old wet nurse uh nanny lee who we talked about, uh, Lee Mama, like a few times, right? And of course, you know, this really reminds me, like at this point, since we have these established characters, it's as if every chapter is like, you know, it's almost like like an an episode of a sitcom or something where like you have your like characters you're you're familiar with. uh, And so like here we have a brief moment where Nanny Lee is being Nanny Lee, you know what I mean? Like yeah. she's just acting very characteristic, and she's mm-hmm. complaining about uh, being sent to find uh, Jia Yun. Yeah, um, which is of course you know Crimson has a thing for Jia Yun, and uh, and so the conversation that follows is very bizarre, um, in insofar as it's very clear that uh, uh, Crimson wants to find a time to sort of like, you know, serendipis- serendipitously you know, uh, kind of... Um, like, be alone with... Jai come Yun. upon him, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and so she she makes these really strange remarks, like, well, you know, you can't really uh, trust this this character. Are you going to, you gonna, you know, escort him both to and from the premises? Uh, it's kind of a, a, an extended conversation, um, which is only extended because she's trying to, like, indirectly pry for information. That's how I inter- yeah, interpret it. I think it, so. At least. Um, she's doing that thing of, you know, like reading from the text here, you know, Crimson says, you can't just bring him in and then leave him, Mrs. Lee. You'll have to take him back again yourself afterwards. You don't want him wandering off on his own. There's no knowing who he might bump into. And then in brackets, it says Crimson herself was the secret hope, you know, you know, so exactly. Yeah. She's a very indirectly in a roundabout way. Yeah. Trying to find out, I guess, you know, whether there might be a time, as you say, to arrange a serendipitous, like, meeting with him, um, which actually happens a moment later, right? And so she is sort of loitering around. She's almost like there's a sense that she forgot what she was doing um, when uh, Trinket arrives uh, with Jia Yun in tow, um, and they they meet. And this is kind of what the uh, the the title of the chapter is referring to. They meet at the gate of uh, Wasp Waste Bridge. And so we're talking a little bit before the show started that I guess this is a reference to, you know, slender uh, female wastes. Uh, is that the 
the implication of a wasp waste, which is a direct translation of the original, right? I mean, I know that we were we, we were talking about the notion of like the wasp waste in Western fashion, which is a specific thing. It's kind of like an hourglass yeah. figure, but even more extreme, you know, um, like an an incredibly narrow waist, um, really kind of like you said it was almost like a kind of foot binding style equivalent and i think that's probably quite a good mm -hmm. way of putting it so uh, the effect of maybe you know it might be a natural attribute that was um favored but also it's potentially effect of wearing uh corsets yeah right yeah. but but uh, in this chapter i'm not sure if the wasp waist thing is actually a specific reference to a, a particular kind of feminine beauty standard or if it's just um uh just happens to describe the shape of the bridge so so i mean if you if you see a, a a wasp or a bee they do have this incredibly narrow little abdomen and maybe it's just that the shape of the bridge is 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 almost like a kind of like in in motor car racing like a chicane you know kind of like a little narrow gap kind of thing um okay yeah uh, yeah i suspect i think it could be either um, you know? yeah i think you're right it's a combination of this sort of beauty standard, but also uh, a physical description of the of the bridge, and which that would be a good place to have a nice uh, serendipitous meeting, because if it is so narrow, you're kind of um, forced to interact. Uh, it gives you the pretense if that's what you're searching for, which crimson is. Right? <laughs> and so there's there is the, the their eyes find each other, you know, crimson and. There's eye contact. There's a lot so of eye a, contact. That's yeah. a kind of contact. <laughs> a lot of, uh, that counts, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and so ex glances are exchanged, let's say. Uh, many glances. And, and there's also this kind of thing where Crimson is talking to Trinket, but like actually talking indirectly to Jiayun. And that's kind of a, a uh, I guess, a charge scene. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, a brief skirmish, let's say. So then, after this, uh, after this scene, Xia Yun goes off with Trinket to uh, visit Bao Yu, which is, you know, the purpose of him being there. You know, um, I, I want to say this is also kind of a nice um, narration strategy where you have this intersection. So we've been following Crimson for a while, and then the, she intersects with Xia Yun. But then the narration follows him, so it's just kind yeah. of this like the uh, they kind of hand the baton off. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's is, just the way I was thinking of it. It gives it the sense of mo of movement that I, I was trying to like emphasize uh, earlier. This kind of yeah, like it's nice. This chapter is like uh, in motion. Yeah, the camera is shifting, right? Um, uh, so what's his what is his day with Bayou like? You know, or or his his, his visit? Oh yeah. Um, okay. So. Um, I, I mean, like when the, when he and Bao Yu, when Jia Yun and Bao Yu meet in an, an, uh, an earlier chapter, even though I think they they are acquainted with each other, Bao Yu has kind of forgotten who he is, and so it's like a first meeting. Mm -hmm. um, and mm -hmm. he says this rather funny thing to him, which is, you know, you are so you're such a good-looking young man, like you could almost be my son. Um, even though Bao Yu is <laughs> younger than him, younger than Jia Yun by five or six years. Um, um, but Jia Yun, recognizing you know, Bao Yu is much richer and more influential than him, he kind of leans into this funny comment. Um, um, 
and uh yeah i think despite being older is somehow kind of quite overawed by his kind of wealth and status but also his the ease in which he occupies this position of of um relatively higher power and 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 status i guess yeah you know maybe this is like he's he's a son coming home and he's visiting his rich father uh (laughs) because there's this kind of it's almost as if bao yu is like the great gatsby in his like in his castle kind of feel uh a lot of time is spent uh kind of depicting jia yun's reaction to the uh the house of green delights right Mm. um and they talk about you know there's a really kind of nice description of uh the rocks outside and, and the clumps of jade green plantains and the various exotic birds in cages um there's also a kind of a i wasn't sure it's kind of a bizarre comment i, I wanted to ask a, your opinion on uh and so when he sees when jayun sees the in- inscription that has you know crimson joys and green delights uh he uh he sort of says to himself uh jayun says oh well, that's why they call it the House of Green Delights. And I, I was wondering, like, is that kind of, is he being satirized there a little bit? Uh, because, I mean, obviously he just saw the, the green plantains, you know, like, and obviously, like, the inscription and the name of the house are not describing each other. They're, they're describing the natural scene. Um, and so I was kind of, did you have any sense there that, you know, Jayun was being satirized, or is that overinterpretation? I wasn't sure. I did, I, no, I did think it was. A, I did think it was a funny comment. Uh, I agree. Uh, like it's a, it's an unusual comment to have made, um, and um, and maybe yeah, it's suggesting that perhaps I, I don't really understand though because he it, it, if it's maybe suggesting that he's stupid or something, it it it, it kind of contradicts what we've seen of him so far which is that he is actually mm-hmm. quite sharp you know he's quite right. bright he's quite clever um so maybe it's implying that he has a kind of he is after all you know rather kind of like uncultured maybe you might say because you know his 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 family background is much poorer he probably hasn't had you know the same um anything like the same level of you know access to uh, education and um like opportunities for kind of advancement, I suppose. And, you know, his reaction to Bao Yu's house is not entirely dissimilar to, uh, to Granny, yeah, to Granny Liu's uh, reaction to uh, Fang's residence, right? There's some kind of nice, um, like, parallels there where it is kind of like, you know, um, a vision of opulence, you know, from a distance and everything just seems like this kind of this whole like uh, this mess of uh, gold and silver engravings and uh, embroidered surfaces. And so it does seem that he like he's kind of like a little bit overwhelmed and, and he has no, you know, kind of grounding in this kind of culture or, or level. Yeah. Of yeah. And in fact, when when uh aroma uh Bayou's principal uh maidservant comes to pour tea uh jia yun kind of springs up and tries to mm. do it himself you know 
he's saying, you know, you shouldn't pour tea for me. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not really one of the guests, you know. Right. Um, 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 and but, so they don't really talk about much. It yeah. seems to just be this, uh, this uh, perfunctory gathering. Um, actually, more happens after Jia Yun leaves. And he has an opportunity to uh, kind of ask Trinket all kinds of questions, right? Um, just kind of, you know, like the the, uh, the mechanics, the dynamics of the the compound uh, about herself and about the other maids, and 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 they somehow get onto the uh, right the, the subject of crimson and the handkerchief, and uh, and it's clear that uh, Jia Yun has a strategy now, and so. Instead of giving Trinket Crimson's handkerchief directly, he gives her his handkerchief and says it's it's just kind of like a switcheroo. He says that it is Crimson's handkerchief just to see whether she'll accept it or not. And I also, my interpretation there was, I want to see what, what you had to say, but was that uh, like this would give him yet another pretense to interact with. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with crimson. So he, I mean, he's actually completely serendipitously found her handkerchief, right? She's dropped it somewhere and he's picked it up and he kind of hopes that it's hers, but he's not sure. And and having that mm-hmm. confirmed here, you can see it's uh, filled him with delight. Um, I think it's, yeah, uh, it's quite a clever little ruse that, isn't it? Swapping it for a different one. And I think the idea is if she accepts his handkerchief, you know, on the pretense that it's her own, then that'll be like a uh, a kind of um, an implicit uh, nod, you know, that a, a, a further gestures are yeah. um, are welcome. Yeah, right. So they would they would have this yeah. kind of this um, two directional um, uh, covert uh, exchange of intimacy. Yeah. Yeah, a kind of so that was kind of a nice uh, kind of a yeah. It's a, it's a very scene. like kind of sweet um little exchange um feels kind of very old-fashioned mm-hmm. in a way um but it, it, like a, in a nice way though not like yeah yeah <laughs> so trinket takes the hand- handkerchief with eager assurances you know uh, that he'd be informed of the outcome um and so so leaving jiayun and crimson aside mm-hmm. we now turn to Bayu, our central character yeah, finally, right? Um, um, and he is... <clears throat> it says he continues to feel extremely lethargic and lay back on the bed with every appearance of being about to doze off to sleep. Do we think that he's got a kind of long COVID here? Basically, <laughs> You know, he's like, he's recovered from the illness, but he's not really recovered. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel as if he's returned to his normal state. Um, you could also make, make the argument that he is so uh, psychically uh, matched to uh, Dai Yu that when Dai Yu mm. is, you know, muddle-headed, so too is he. Ah, uh, yeah, that's a good point. But he, he kind of feels point. like one of the, the birds in the, in the cage outside, you know, it, his premises. So he, um, Aroma gets him up out of bed and she says you know go off and have a walk in the garden maybe that will raise your spirits so he goes off and starts pottering around the the garden which you know is a a big expanse Mm -hmm. you know with with lots of i I feel like you know it's 
slightly labyrinthine you know there's yeah. uh nice yeah <laughs> uh, lots of different little places to explore and wonder um and um <laughs> there's this really funny scene right where um he's uh I'll, I'll probably read from the hawks after visiting the cages in the gallery and playing for a bit with the birds he ambled out of the courtyard into the garden and along the bank of drenched blossoms stream pausing for a while to look at the goldfish in the water so this is kind of like nice peaceful scene as he did so a pair of fawns came running like the wind from the hillside opposite Bayou was puzzled there seemed to be no reason for the mysterious terror but just then Jalan came running down the same slope after them a tiny bow clutched in his hand <laughs> seeing his uncle ahead of him he stood politely to attention and greeted him cheerfully so I kind of wonder how big this garden is it's very kind of like um, it is rather dreamlike and fantastic but the idea that there are actual baby deer fawns running around um, <laughs> and worse still that, that Jalan uh, so Bali's young nephew is trying to shoot them with a bow um, it, it, it was kind of preposterous to me I, I kind of laughed aloud when I read this yeah um, that's nice though yeah, it's like having your own little uh, hunting grounds. Uh, yeah, I guess that's that's almost like imperial opulence, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they're very yeah they're they're kind of in the Garden of Eden here, but there's also hunting, and uh, there's a sense that uh, Bao Yu is sort of moving unconsciously, right? He's he's not he doesn't have a set destination, but maybe his. Um, his unconscious yearnings are propelling him toward none other than the naiad's house where the you know the the water princess lin dayu is uh is residing um and there's a nice kind of description of the house it seems deserted uh you know the bamboo door blind is unrolled you know it's on the uh you know you can imagine, you know, all the emotions are, uh, or maybe, you know, Dayu's eyebrows are furled and unfurled, maybe, you know, if you want to draw a parallel. Uh, so he approaches the window. Uh, he detects a certain sweetness in the air, right? <laughs> Which is the whole idea that, uh, you know, Dayu has this uh, celestial uh, aroma, right? That's the idea. Um, and again, he's, it seems to be traceable to a thin curl of incense smoke, uh, which is drifting, you know, day in and day out, which is again, a kind of a, seemed like a reference back to, uh, Dayu's, uh, riddle, right? Where she was the incense, which, uh, like burns, uh, kind of unquenchingly day in and day out. Um, and so this incense smoke is is uh, wafting out of the green gauze casement. Um, uh, Bao Yu presses his face to the gauze, and he, before he can see anything, he hears a kind of uh, a, a long sigh and a, a line from the Western Chamber, this romantic, this forbidden romantic book, which has been smuggled into uh, the garden. Uh, and the line reads, each day in a drowsy waking dream of love. 
and, and so that's of course uh, we kind of return to our theme of uh, sort of like a waking dream. Uh, mm. I also wanted to maybe real, really quickly point out it's kind of a nice in the description here it almost in describing the garden there there's this line that Hawks renders kind of consciously as kind of a poetic line sort of um, interspersed or kind of just placed in the middle of the text that reads um, denser than feathers on the phoenix tail the stirred leaves murmured with a pent dragon's moan mm-hmm. uh, and so in, in the original it's feng wei sen sen long yin shi shi and so you had that the reduplicative uh, sen sen and the reduplicative shi uh, shi, uh, which like the, the sensen is is speaking to the uh, the density of sometimes like forests or, or foliage, um, and, and the shi shi is the the kind of the delicate, uh, yeah, like the delicate sound, another yeah. kind of onomatopoetic poetic uh, formulation. And what's interesting is if you compare that to the line that. Uh, Dayu reads from the Western Chamber. Yeah. That one reads, uh, And so this is nice kind of um, three in a row, three kind of reduplicate, reduplications in a row. I thought that was kind of probably intentional. Uh, yeah, so so Hun is like, um, here I think it's rendered kind of like drowsy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it can also be like a kind of like sunset time, kind of like dusk. That that hun, right? Like it, it like it carries a, a meaning of like it's that like right. kind of golden hour, just like the 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 time leading up to the sunset when everything is kind of kind of like mm-hmm. glowing golden and and yeah, kind of lazy feeling. And also maybe uh, like well, also it may be sort of indistinct. You know, it's kind of hard to see. Things are kind of unclear. You're not sure, for instance, whether you're dreaming yeah. or whether you're awake. Uh, and so it's it returns to this sort of this like liminal kind of emphasis we've been talking about, and, and it kind of accentuates the question of uh, you know the the uh, like interrelation of reality and dreaming of you know desire and of necessity and so on and so forth and, and just one other thing to note here is that Huan it's a f- homonym of Huan which means marry marriage you know so Jia Huan to get married or, or Huan Li like the marriage cer- ceremony it's although it's mm-hmm. a different character it it's very similar sounding and it incorporates similar parts of the of the character um, and so I think that maybe is a kind of uh, sideways allusion to where her her kind of waking dreams of love are carrying her you know mm. that it's on her mind okay yeah yeah and so a nice sort of moment that, that's captured that uh i guess bao yu sort of uh like sneaks a a glimpse at he sort of he peers into mm-hmm. uh the truth of her desires uh surreptitiously yeah. um i do think there's something beautiful about the image of like uh it feels familiar in a way, right? The the you know lying, not kind of restlessly so much as kind of listless. She's kind of lying there in uh, on her. I imagine it almost as like a chaise long or like fainting couch, couch that sort of thing. You know, 
the place where like rich ladies can lie listlessly and and quote poetry you know um in yeah, a state of kind of ennui you know sort of a, a pining yes exactly yeah. yeah um of course you know Pao Yu he he ruins the mood almost immediately would you agree with that characterization yep <laughs> he's, he's 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 kind of a, a dawdling fool in many ways uh and so we had this beautiful moment and he just like smashes it <laughs> just, yeah. just just like uh and that, that's kind of why it's part of amusing and mm-hmm. so he he sort of um he reveals that he overheard her uh her kind of um secret uh longing um and he sort of makes a joke of it which is understandable right yeah um she's a bit embarrassed she she actually pretends that she was asleep uh-huh. you know? um and uh then yeah Balyu kind of barges in and his maids are, uh, her maids are like no no the, you know the mistress is asleep right now come back later um but at that point i think the jig is up and uh Dayu says no 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 you know i'm not asleep um he uh, uh sorry she has a go at Balyu, you know as soon as the, the 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 maids kind of retreat she says what do you mean by coming into people's room was when they're asleep, you know, like um, mm-hmm. scolding him for his. Um, uh, but I guess it's it's I guess uh, lighthearted enough. Um, where things kind of take a turn, yeah, uh, is almost immediately afterwards. There's the uh, kind of the the tea incident. Mm. Um, <laughs> she, she, just before we do that, like she. They're talking. He was. He's saying, "Okay, what was it you were saying just now? Where you know what was that line you were quoting?" And she's saying, "Oh, I, you know, I, I didn't say anything." And he, um, he uses this like slightly funny phrase. Um, in the Hawks, he says, um, "Bayou laughed and snapped his fingers at her. Put that on your tongue, girl. I heard you say it." Um, and in the Chinese, it's "gainiga fazer truna." Uh, so a fazer is a kind of nut. Um, uh, and so the sentence is, I give you a phaser to eat, basically. Which I, I've tried to find <clears throat> like uh, usage of this phrase in other places and, and haven't really got anywhere with it. But I think it's a bit like, we might say, like, pull the other one in English. You know, mm-hmm. it's a, an expression indicating, like, what you have told me is an obvious lie. Um, but but no, I, I, I was wondering, did you, did you, like, pick up on this much? Was there anything, like, uh, in there that, you know, were you familiar with this uh, phrase no, or, or not? No, um, but I, I think your interpretation is sound, right? It's, uh, you know, I, I'm not sure what would be the the closest English um, expression. It, it's not too important. Um, we can move on. Let's talk about the sea incident. Okay, and so yeah, there, there's a, I guess nightingale comes around, which is actually another made we failed to mention that's uh Zidrun. and um oh, yeah. <laughs> they kind of have this little like uh, back and forth like oh well, like should i pour you tea first or uh because it's a question of like, well he's a guest he, he should go first he's also you know the uh he's higher status obviously in the family and so that might also be a cause for precedence so there's all yeah. these kinds of subtle uh status considerations and who you know who gets who gets what first and in, in, in what mm. way and so on and so forth. Unfortunately, so Bao Yu also has a line from the Western Chamber to quote, but his line is uh, far less romantic, you could say. 
and has some sort of um, untoward uh, connotations that uh, Dayu does not refer- respond favorably to. Uh, uh, so he's like he's kind of praising uh, Nightingale for um, pouring him mm. tea before fetching uh, Dayu water, and he says, uh, "If with your amorous mistress I should wed, tis you, sweet maid, must make our bridal bed." And so we have another kind of uh, is this is this two weeks in a row that or or was that in previous weeks? I'm remembering the last time we've like had to like censor Bao Yu. I think it was last week as well, was it not? That we also had like some kind of yeah. Because I also yeah. edited a just just uh a, I recently edited a chapter, you know, like maybe a while back that also had some uh controversial Bao Yu yeah. material. So he, it seems like it just keeps coming. Uh well there I think the last in the last chapter uh he it was Xi Feng that made a joke about wedding uh weddings or, or marriage. But then uh, yeah, in a, maybe chapter 23 or 22 or something when they're first talking about the wedding uh when they're first talking about the the western chamber this this uh, romantic play that they're both quoting from there's a he makes a joke there as well and and once again you know uh upsets Dayu with it um okay yeah so i guess the implication is that uh should he wed uh Dayu that would have implications for uh, the servants as well. Yeah, which uh, which Hawks renders the, the the Chinese there. This was in somewhat dubious taste. Yeah, which is uh, kind of an understatement, at <laughs> least. Yeah, yeah. Um, the the phrase for 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 marriage here is is quite um, it's quite a sweet one, I think. So the line in the Chinese is "ruo," which is like "if" in this case. Gongni mm-hmm. xiaojia. Uh, so gong being sort of like with ni your duoqing xiaojia. So like duoqing being like romantic, amorous, like it's like uh, something like that. Uh, and xiaojia being literally like miss here, but really kind of mistress, i.e. referring to daiyu. Tong yuan zhang. So tong is like together with yuan is like a, it's like a mandarin duck, right? Um the the idea of like the Mandarin ducks, uh, Yuan Yang, we've I think touched on before, being somehow like a motif or like symbol for um, fidelity. So uh, yeah, just it, it's a kind of somewhat roundabout way of referring to it, I suppose. Um, but I thought it was quite a nice one. And so the the Zhang there means, I, I think it means like literally the uh, the the surroundings of a of a bedchamber. Right. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I, I forgot to mention that. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, I was wondering if maybe there's also an indication like it's the uh, like under the same wing kind of idea. Ah, oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so like, you know, they would all be, you know, kind of uh, one happy family. Yeah. Uh, one loving, you know, um, affectionate family. But but then the, the implication, of course, is that that would uh, just as he has sort of sexual access to his own. Uh, maids that would extend to hers as well in such a circumstance yeah which like is kind of, uh, kind of uh, so that's more disturbing yeah we can't we can't condone that here on rereading the stone mixed um, very very mixed blessing i think um to put it politely 
Uh, and so Dayu does not like this. So she stands up for uh, for proper values. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um. And 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 she, she like she starts to cry actually. Mm. So she's very easily she, angered and very easily upset. You know, and I think that that's partly just what being an adolescent is like, right? Your emotions are just mm-hmm. much more easily like they fluctuate much more easily, I suppose. Um, but she accuses Bayu of um, basically making her a, a, a figure of fun, you know, like mocking her really. Mm-hmm. Um, Which happened a lot in the last chapter. So it's kind of a continuation of that discontent. Uh, it's kind of, it's, um, it's brewing. It's, uh... And so her outburst brings forth a like a, a complimentary um kind of outburst from from Balu, where you know he makes one of his by now characteristically overblown apologies um, um, where he says uh, I promise never to say anything like that again may my mouth rot and my tongue decay if I do you know? and he seems to always say this and then <laughs> and then go on and say say such things again so despite his you know despite his overblown kind of protestations um, he doesn't seem to live up to these kind of ridiculous promises. Mm-hmm.